to break the habits of a whole industry. And that's what I intend to do. I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that um, older adults who are, for the most part, homebound to have to get in their car to go see a doctor when we have technology that makes it easy enough for them to go into the homes um, and we have the ability to put staff, nurses and others in the homes um, with the patients. Welcome to the Disruptive Podcast. My name is Jamie Preston, and we're here with the Chief Disruption Officer from SC House Calls, Main Street Physicians, SC Home RX, a bunch of other companies, and probably ones that he hasn't even dreamed up yet. Scott Middleton, how are you doing, Scott? Well, soon to be uh, DME and um, some kind of delivery service. I can't remember what we were going to call it, but we're going <laughs> to deliver everything you ever need to to your. Exactly. See, I see. I knew there'd be one. Yeah, there's there's businesses that you haven't even thought of yet. So, oh, I, I thought of them. I just it's just they're just not out there yet, but they're coming. <laughs> that's for sure. I have no doubt. So, Scott, what have you been doing? I was I was in a meeting this week, and you popped in, and you 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 kind of engaged a little bit. You said, "Well, there's nothing to disrupt here. I'm moving out," and I I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, um, I, the best thing for me, I love my job because I can point out all the problems of the world and then say to somebody else, man, you got to figure out how to fix it. Yeah. Um, so the, the problem is that um, sometimes I don't communicate very well what ultimately was the real problem because mm. I jump to the end before I tell them maybe some steps they have to go through. Sure. Um, but yeah, I find the problems and this group was solving the problem that I had already thrown out there. So let's let them go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Scott, what have you disrupted this week? Wow. Well, I mean, every, every single day has been a little bit of dis disruption um, because, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday and I was going, you know, here's the thing about house calls. Um, and what we do is that nobody's ever done this before, right. at least not to the scale that we have. And so being able to scale it and make everybody understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. So today, what I wanted to concentrate on, this is going to be a great podcast for our account executives um, in particular, mm -hmm. but that they will be able to use to, out, to people outside. Outside, Absolutely. outside of our house calls, people don't understand. Right. Well, so Scott, I want to talk about really, what we're doing. Yeah. What I was going to say is you're really a pioneer and pioneering is way different. You know, you're, you're blazing a trail versus, you know, finding your way on another trail. You're, you're creating the trail and that's not an easy job. Yeah. To, to break the habits of a whole industry. Mm -hmm, yep. And that's what I intend to do. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that um, older adults who are, for the most part, homebound to have to get in their car to mm -hmm. go see a doctor Yep. when we have technology that makes it easy enough for them to go into the homes um, and we have the ability to put staff, nurses and others in the homes um, with the patients. Mm -hmm. And it's just safer. It's just better. And what I want to talk about today is um, the fact that so so much of what we do it is seen by our by other people in healthcare as a as a competitor. 
Mm. And so particularly hospitals and um, and physician groups that are owned by hospitals. Yeah. So I was talking to somebody this week and they said, oh, yeah, you don't mention house calls to, to that group. And I went, why? It was a hospital group. Well, you're going out there and stealing their patients. <laughs> and I just you laughed. Should, and you I should said, have said thank you. <laughs> right. It, I don't know why they're not thanking us because they don't understand how the world of healthcare works and, right. and where it's moving. But within in the next three years, we're all value based. Mm-hmm. So we have to help. What we do as South, as South Carolina and Georgia house calls is we take care of those very sick homebound patients. Mm-hmm. And we can coordinate the care with, with our nurse practitioners and doctors, with ourselves, or even with another primary care provider. Yeah. But the truth is those other primary care providers don't have a system yet to protect their patients from a hospitalization or rehospitalization. Mm. And the reason is, is because to be there, we have to be extremely proactive. Yeah, absolutely. And and the only way you can be proactive is not waiting for a patient to call you. Mm-hmm. You, you. You probably know our number one reason for our patients going to the hospital. Out of 25,000 patients, mm-hmm. the number one reason. You and know I, what that is? I think it's medication adherence. <laughs> it, it, you know, it may be associated with that, mm-hmm. but it's actually urinary tract infections. Mm. Urinary tract infection. So a urinary tract infection in older adults is is um, going to have to look. And mm. the only way, you know, we have to get on top of it or otherwise they get in so much pain, uh, so much agony, they end up going to the hospital emergency yep. room. Now mm-hmm. we protect that is that we have to see these people a lot and we have to be very pointed with our questions yeah. about the different symptoms and signs, right. the medications we, we put on. I was listening to this um, television commercial today for a new drug and it, it helps. Um, and you know, I'm not clinical, so I can't even describe, but it was for somebody with from a kidney condition and it can help prevent them from, um, going on dialysis mm-hmm. or delay the dialysis and, and started listening to all of the uh, side effects. And one of those is urinary tract infections. Right. So what do we have to do? Um, what we usually do in medicine in this country is we wait for the patient to be in so much pain. They call us or they mm-hmm. come see us instead. It, it, how do we point to the direction of, if I'm talking to this patient Several times a week, if they have a chance of, of a more likelihood of getting urinary tract infection, then I, I beef up what I'm asking them when I'm calling and what am I doing to try to prevent that from happening. But right. certainly, once the infection's there, we can treat that pretty quickly without them going to the hospital. Mm-hmm. The doctors in the but but I, the doctors at least in South Carolina and Georgia they don't work weekends and they don't work night. Right. Which is why the hospitals created these urgent care centers was to protect the emergency room from getting all this. But all we've done is basically staffed a general practice emergency room. Right. And charge, you know, charge, you know, nine times as much. 
Right. And, yeah. So they're going to the, the, the customer is going to go out there. The patient's going to go out there and get billed, you know, additional hundred and fifty dollars on top of whatever they would bill. That's usually what the urgent care charge is. We're going to take everything that you're coming in for. And we add one hundred and fifty for the fact we're in urgent care mm-hmm. and you have to pay that out of your pocket. Yeah, uh, that's better than the thousand at the emergency room. But what I want our account execs to know is that here's the process of what you need to do to build your relationship with physician practice groups. And that's our next venture. We have to go beyond waiting for a home health agency to call us because they need a certification. What we have to do is get aggressive. So one of the things that we're trying to track now is to make sure that somewhere inside our software, we are tracking every patient that comes to us and who their former primary care physician was. Right. And, and maybe they haven't seen that person in, in two years. Maybe they've been hospitalized. Maybe they've been in the nursing home. Maybe they just haven't called, kept up with their primary care provider. Right. But we need to be able to pull a report and show here are the 25 patients that we see right now that Dr. Smith in the community or works for the hospital used to see. Mm-hmm. And we need to print that list out, put a summary of what's going on with that patient, Look at the number of hospitalizations, look at the number of times the patient's been seen, look at a summary of what those visits look um, pull a list of all the diagnosis codes. And we need to go into that office and we need to look at that office manager and say, hey, I'm from house calls. I've got 25 patients uh, that we're seeing right now that belong to Dr. Smith and mm-hmm. we want to talk with him or his staff about how we either continue to see these patients on his behalf or how we transition them back to them. Mm. That, that's a very effective tool for an account rep to be able to go Absolutely. in and bring some unbelievable information that would probably, honestly, it would the, the office would be like, wow, this is amazing, you know, and, and not see us and not see SC house calls, you know, as a threat, but as a partner. And it's an account, right, because the, the, the key point of that is no matter what else you say, you have to say to transition the patients back to Dr. Smith. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the key because they, then they're going to see, oh, well, you don't want to steal our patients. You want to figure out how to get them back to us. Yes. Yeah. Now, the truth is when we go sit down with Dr. Smith and, and well, first, to get that list, I'm not sure we have, I know we don't have all that information. So if I was an account exec right now, I'd be picking up the phone and calling, you know, 200 of my patients. Mm. And I would say to them in in my area, two to 300, I'd pick them up and say, hey, can you tell me who your primary care physician was before you started using Mm Hanson's? Or do you still see another primary care physician? I would then go as an account exec to all of my clinical coordinators and say, I tell you what, um, I'm going to give you a gift card to Starbucks. If you can get me all this information put in, so next time you talk to patients, you know, whatever it takes to motivate them, just can, you're talking to the patients anyway, find out who they are. Then we mm-hmm. run the report. Right. So now you've got the information. It may take you six weeks to get Dr. Smith up there. You're going to have to write a letter. Chat GPT will help you do it. Yeah. Um, explaining who, who we are as house calls listing the names of the patients that we are sharing and mm-hmm. the need for us to communicate. Right. So I would get that meeting with the doctor. I'm taking my director of clinical services yep. with me. I'm taking a nurse of some sort. Mm-hmm. 
with her computer so she could pull up Athena if he has any questions. He's going to have about all of 10 minutes with you. Right. And you're going to give him the list and say, here's what I want to look at. We can manage these patients together. You can manage these, but I want you to see on each patient how many times they've been hospitalized. I want you to see the fact that these patients, if they belong to you and they're affiliated with you, all of their hospitalizations, all of their emergency room visits are going to land on your NPI. Yep. And here's how much Mrs. Smith has been Medicare has paid out. That's the other. You push and put the name of the patient. Here's a summary. Here's the list of all of the emergency room visits. And here's the cost of that patient. Right. And you put that information and you plug page after page, 25 pages right in front of him. Mm. and say all of this is if, if you would like us to transition the patient back up to you we can do that right. but remember that if you see them more than we do they're associated with your npi number now you have all the expenses mm-hmm. yep yeah especially if they're you know that's but that's value-based care that's we're going to assume the risk but we're gonna we're gonna really ramp up the care for this patient so as an account exec, I'd be doing the same thing with the home health agency. Mm-hmm. I would take 25 patients that had been referred to us by that home health agency. I would print all that information and I would go in and, and put it down on the desk and say, this is why we need your help in getting into these physician groups. Yeah. Because those, those, it, those account execs are walking in all the time as a home health agency and say, hey, they need to be saying, hey, Doc Smith, have, have you talked to house calls yet? Mm. You need to talk to them because a lot of your patients end up on house calls. It's a good thing for you because you're not going to be able to see them at home. But I know for a fact they would like to partner with you to be able to take care of your sickest of sick. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think I can't imagine a physician you know, saying no to that. Right. And we could even do this for a physician. We could say, I tell you what, if we're going to partner with this, you need to see this patient once a month or once a quarter as a doctor, you know, Mm -hmm. and and really, that's what I'd like to see. I I want all of our patients to be able to be seen by an MD at least once a month or once a quarter, depending on, you know, how sick they are. Sure. Um, But what we can do is send our visiting nurse out and say, okay, doc, we're going to call you between 930 and 10 on this date so that you can have a telemedicine visit with our nurse while they sit there. And guess what? You get the bill for it. Yeah. This is a billable event. Yeah. Cause you do have some bots, you know, and I understand this doctors have a lot of debt when they get out of school. Right. They, they, they put a lot of time and effort. When you think about it, you don't really have your first real job as a doctor until you're about 35 years old. Mm. So, you know, for us to be able to go and they need the money. They need the money for them to be able to say, hey, this is a way to do that. Um, That's what you should be doing. I will tell you, you will get more referrals out of your doctor's offices and out of the hospitals. Once the doctors start talking about house calls Mm -hmm. to each other. I think we've got to figure out, you know, how, you know, Scott, I think. I think healthcare, and I've noticed this, you know, being out, you know, meeting people, it can be very territorial. You know, and I think this gets us beyond that. Yeah. You know, what concerns me is um, 
is do we utilize our resources properly? And you know, I talk about that a lot on our, mm-hmm. our podcast. And and now I'm even talking about overutilization of of some touches and some services, particularly right now with nurse practitioners. I think they're overutilizing their time and and, and I can see it because they bill it as chronic care management. But I think they overutilize sometimes documentation um, and and um, and really how much time they spend right in front of a patient on any given one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as we've talked about, some providers are spending on average of an hour and a half per visit. And while I can understand sometimes that happening, it, it's too much. So we're always looking at overutilization. So I go back now and start looking at how many people it takes to run a doctor's office, mm-hmm. but how many people it takes, nurses it takes to be in the hospital. But what if on one day we could just say, okay, I'm going to wave my magic wand. And in one day I am going to have all the nurses in all the hospitals Instead of going to the hospital, they would be out there going to see patients in the home, mm-hmm. doing telemedicine visits or monitoring or whatever. If we could do that tomorrow, you would eliminate probably 50% of all the hospitalizations. Mm. Yeah. So if we could eliminate 50% and, and, and the way it had, the problem is we don't have the model from the hospital standpoint, to be able to be rewarded financially for that. Yeah, right. But it's coming. I, so, I think so it's coming. If, if you, I mean, and, and I, you would know better, Scott, but if you could eliminate 50% of hospitalizations, I, I would be, I may be going out of limb here, but you could probably pay for everybody's health care in the United States with that. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and, but the problem with that is that you would have so many hospitals that go oh, oh, under, yeah. you know, and and what what I think is the worst part, what, where I think maybe Medicare is moving us to, is that it's impossible for a hospital system, a, a, an acute care entity that is being paid fully fee for service. It's impossible for them to own and operate doctors groups yeah. that it are value-based right? because the value base is going to reduce it. Um, what hospitals do right now is they, they lose money in primary care. Mm-hmm. So primary care physicians. So those physicians can make referrals to, um, to specialists who then can make referrals to their hospital. Right. And, and that's the, the part that has to stop. So, What's going to happen with this new ACO model is going to be so much easier for physicians out there to um, to be out on their own mm-hmm. because the contracts with the payers are getting easier and better. So we're we're now going to see um, those doctors being able to branch out on their own. Now, one of the things Congress is trying to do right now is to eliminate the ability for, for hospitals and even groups like us to put non-competes in, in that would not allow the 
the, the practitioner to move somewhere else in their local community and and be able to continue to practice medicine. Right. <laughs> so that's going to be the real key, because right now, for example, in Columbia, where I live, if you work for the hospital system, they will put a non-compete. You're not able to see any patients within a two or three county radius for for at least another year, maybe two years. Mm. And well, that, that only yeah. hurts patients. Yeah. Yeah. So it means that a doctor gets caught up in something. But again, think about this. So say I invest in, in a physician and bring them on board and I lose money for the first five years because that doc is building up his or her um, clientele. And then I get it all built up and the doc says, hey, I can go make more money by this other group and we're going to steal all these patients. Mm. So, so I think what, what I like, we, we actually don't do non-competes. We do non-solicitation. And a non-solicitation means that if you leave our practice, you can't take your patients or sure. even your entities. But if you want to go work for somebody else and, and be a doctor, nurse practitioner, go right ahead. Right. I'm just not going to, I'm going to hold on to my patients. Now, it's patient can go wherever they want. But if you solicit those patients, and right. we, we had a provider who did that one time. She left, and and um, she sent out letters and, and it literally downloaded off of our computer system, downloaded all of the patient's information, uh, which is, you know, to be able to email them out and say, hey, I'm moving. You don't want you to follow. Yeah, that's an ethics yeah. issue. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. It was probably a legal issue. I, I'll probably get in trouble for mentioning that. I mean, but yeah, we, we dealt with it. You know, we, we dealt with that person and what they did. So then they put it out on Facebook, Instagram, all this. Look, here's where I'm going to be practicing and hoping. It, what's interesting, the people didn't switch. Mm. And, and they didn't switch a lot of them because this provider had done that several times in the past. And so once they've, you know, had to move the, all their records, all their stuff to a new practice two or three times, they just like get tired of it Yeah, and, and realize that we're going to put somebody else in. that will be just as good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. You're not going to follow a provider three or four times. But, but so as we move, here's what we need to help our um, our referral sources. Uh, other primary care physicians should actually be our biggest referral source out mm -hmm. there. And so if we're not there yet, we, we can be there quickly. Take the process, guys. Um, pick up the phone. Start calling patients, having other people call patients. Find out who their primary care providers were and then cultivate that relationship. Yeah. And as soon as you do that, you're going to sit back all day long and spend most of your time in doctor's offices, walking in and saying, hey, who you got for me? Let me get they're going to give you the information. We're going to contact the patients and we're going to help that provider. But, but again, you've got to look at well, where does that provider, that medic, that doctor out there or nurse practitioner that's that's practicing out there on their own with the hospital. They want us to take yeah. their patients. And it's it's easy. Yeah. 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 And and you turn a competitor into a partner, and I think that's even better because because at the end of the day, the patient's gonna the you know customer or the patient whatever you want to call them, they're going to get the benefit of it. And and we're soon to have hospitals without walls. I mean mm -hmm. that's where we're headed. In fifty years, there's not going to be very few hospitals. Uh, we're already you know the hospitals are already doing the hospital at home program. Well, guess what? We can help them with that. Mm -hmm. their, their biggest issue, they got to build an infrastructure of how to get to all these patients. We've already built that. 
Right. So instead, with the hospital at home program, why wouldn't they be contracting with us to say, hey, you already have a nurse practitioner that's in this region. Can you can we utilize them for our telemedicine visits? And for mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, can make that work. it's really what you've already created, Scott. I mean, it, it is hospital at home already, you know, minus surgery and things like that, obviously. But, you know, I think that's the only reason you'll have, and, and I think you'll see more of these, you know, surgery centers versus actual hospitals. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is that by the time they come to us from a hospital's perspective, that person's already been related to your hospital through your primary care and probably through other specialists. Mm-hmm. So as they come on board with us, we're going to be connecting much more likely to refer back to those specialists as well. But those patients, when they need hospitalization, will certainly be going back to their hospital. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So again, it's a it's a nice referral piece, uh, you know, for them. But it it just amazes me how people jump to so many conclusions over who's the competitor, right. and in particular healthcare, um, because you know I I spent my education all in the business world in in terms of healthcare. But I understand the statistics and the finances and the model out there. And it's amazing how everybody thinks they're a marketer, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. (laughs) And and so, and and doctors, I don't mean to insult you, you're smart people, but you didn't have the same education level that I had in terms of, of how we market sell a product and how we look at an overall system sure and and so trying to get them to think outside twisting it to say we're not competition Mm -hmm. we're an asset to you we're another service that can help you and your patients and it won't cost you anything in fact it can make you money right and i think i think you bring up a really good point because i didn't go to medical school to be a doctor so i'm not going to tell a doctor how to you know take care of their patient. I'm not going to tell them, you know, how to diagnose. I'm not going to tell them how to prescribe. I'm not going to do that. But I think, I think you, you, but Scott, you did go to school for business. You did go for accounting. You did go for public health. You went to school for those things and, and vice it it works, you know, in reverse. And you're asking a lot of a doctor to say, okay, you've got a practice here. Now be a business person too. You know, they shouldn't have to, they should be able to just focus on, taking care of their patients? Well, it, one interesting thing is um, looking at next visits. We've been talking a lot about that because mm-hmm. we know right now we've got to see most of our patients four times a month or we're going to end up with a hospitalization. Yep. And and that's a cost-effective way you know, to save those. Um, now the question is, all right, why are we seeing them? The doctor mm-hmm. needs to know what that is. That's not really the doctor's thing. It, yeah. That can be statistics. Right. So statistically, I can take a look at at lab results. I can take a look at at overall. You know, right now we have the hospitalization risk factor that that we can calculate or is calculated for us by Medicare um, right. based on diagnosis codes. The doctor doesn't have that all that information in front of them to say, "Hey, this person needs to be seen next Tuesday," because otherwise they're going to end up in the hospital Wednesday. Mm. You know. The, the doctor doesn't know but with with that seven minute visit in the office that the person was in severe pain last weekend because now they're not and they're not mentioning it. Right. Right. 
<laughs> you know, and so they're just going to wait. Oh, well, I don't know what it was. It must have been indigestion. But they need to share that with the doctor. Every time I talk to somebody about their going to the doctor and, and, and I always say, did you tell your doctor that? <laughs> no, he don't have a clue. No, right. he don't have a clue. Nope. Yeah, I, I love right. the way. Yeah, I love the way you start. I think you talk about in orientation with all of our new new hires. You talk about how we lie to our doctors. <laughs> and yeah. everybody does. It. We do. We do. Yeah. So when 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 a when a patient when a doctor walks into that that exam room, they should already everything they need mm-hmm. to be able to make a medical decision, and all of that information should have been accumulated by the clinical staff mm. and put on a piece of paper. And most of the time they do that um, when, when they go in, you know, you'll talk to several different people and you'll do lab work and all. And so the doctor now can review the lab work, look at the notes from his or her clinical staff yeah, and then make a decision. And they can do that in seven to 15 minutes. Right. That's what we're, what's interesting about our practice and where we're, where we're, um, emerging with our practice. We started out by taking nurse practitioners, remember the key phrase is nurse, right? Mm -hmm. That now have prescription authority. We take nurses and we were sending them out, spending a lot of time with patients, you know, getting more information about them. And and they were making a huge difference. It was just we couldn't financially survive on on the nurse practitioner seeing five to six patients a day. Yeah. Um, financially. But then what we started learning is that the clinical staff can do a lot of this stuff cheaper, faster, better, mm-hmm. really. Uh, social workers, clinical coordinators, medical assistants, those people are really in, good at gathering information, real information from patients, putting it down in the chart so the provider has great knowledge to make their decisions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now we're asking our NPs to not spend an hour and a half on every patient, but right. maybe spend 30 minutes on some, 10 minutes on others, you yeah, know, just sure. depends on the need. Um, but to spend their time making a medical decision. Yeah. I had a, I had a provider who reached out to me um, recently and um, she had actually been terminated uh, in our organization. And she said, I, I don't understand. Um, I've been with you guys. I've been doing a great job. Um, I feel like I always don't have the support I need. I wanted a, another, she kept calling it a partner. I'm not sure what that was, but, um, you know, uh, but she was saying that, I, you know, and I have helped you financially grow this company. And so I just pulled the numbers and, and now I know why she was probably terminated. And it was because she had never build enough in a given month to even pay for her own salary, much less for the staff and the support. Yeah. Right. Now was that was that our fault because we didn't do what we needed to do to get her where she needed to be? Or was that her fault? But at the end of the day, she had no clue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely no clue that every month I was having to write checks and other providers were having to cover for her losses. Yeah. And so I do, I do feel like, yeah, that's my fault or our fault as an organization that we didn't let her know that yeah. and understand that. Um, but, but her model of how she was seeing her patients just wasn't working. Sure. And, and so we, 
We've done that now with our incentive calculators. You know, it's pretty easy for our patients to um, to to take care of and take a look at what they need to to do. Mm, absolutely. Scott, this has been great. Um, you know, if you're an account rep, listen up. You know, go out. You know, I think Scott's given you some really good tools to be able to use to be creative and to turn a turn a competitor into a partner. And I think that's 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 the message today. So, Scott, thank you so much. Thank you. Great. Have a great one. Bye. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening. And if you could leave us a five star review, we would really appreciate it. Visit our podcast website at thedisruptedpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to one of our other podcasts in our podcast network, the LTC University Podcast, Experiencing Healthcare with Matt Stop, and the Thriving Practitioner Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Have a great week.